Welcome to the Ed Milet Show, the place for winning. Here he is. Special day today. I'm flying up to Northern California. I'm so excited. I get to go speak to the University of Pacific baseball team, which is where I played 21 years ago. I'm looking forward to seeing these young men. Awesome day of memories. Little did I think 21 years ago when I left UOP, my baseball career was getting ready to end, that I'd come back all these years later flying on my own jet. It's sort of an overwhelming thing. And um, today's gonna be a day of memories and reminiscing on the past and a lot of gratitude for the future. And I get to look into the eyes of guys that were just like me on the same team. These are like my young sons, my brothers. So today's a really special day for me. It's an honor to go back and uh, to spend some time with these studs. So awesome, awesome day. I can't wait to get there. It's great to be with you guys. Um, it's an emotional day for me, man. Like, I haven't been back here in 20 years. So, you know, I know I don't, I don't look that old, but I am, so. I graduated actually in 97, not 93, so I'm not quite as old as that thing says, so. But I do have some thoughts I wanted to share with you guys. Um, I have not been here in a long time, and so I have a lot of speaking engagements this week, and this was kind of the one that I was the most excited, the most unpaid one, and the one that I'm the most excited about. So I wanna share with you guys a story first. How many of you guys are freshmen or sophomores? Just out of curiosity, okay. And then seniors and juniors? <clears throat> All right. So, <clears throat> I, uh, you're like my sons or my brothers, kind of depending on what your age is, because this is my home. You know, this is, this is a really special place to me. Everything that happened in my life happened here at UOP. All the transitions in my life that if it turned me into a good thing or a bad thing happened when I was here. And so this place is important for me and I want it to be for you guys. I wanna share something with you though. Just to give you an idea how cool these four years are of your life. So how many of you guys ever watch me on social media or kind of familiar with me? I'm just curious, how many of you guys? So probably like half of you, all right, cool. So I flew up here today, this isn't to brag, this is to give you context. I flew up here today on my own jet, Falcon 900. It's a pretty badass jet, it's got three engines. Um, it's pretty awesome. Um, one of the best planes in the world, it's just mine. Nobody else is a partner in it on me. I, I live oceanfront in Laguna Beach. I'm married to my high school sweetheart who's hot as hell, if you ever see her on social media, okay? Um, I got two great kids. I got another house in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's probably worth 30 million bucks. I've got three boats, a Ferrari, a Bentley, you name it. I got every material thing you would ever probably want. I got millions of people that follow me on social media. I got pretty good influence and I got cool friends. Sounds like a pretty good life, right? Okay, about once a month, since I was, <clears throat> I get emotional about this, about once a month since I was 21 years old, I have a recurring nightmare. I'm not kidding you. So as cool as you might think my life is, I have a recurring nightmare that I've had for 26 years. True story. And here's what the nightmare is. Now remember this, I'm a grown man, I haven't picked up a baseball bat in 20 years, right? I'm not even in good enough shape to play anymore. But here's the nightmare that I have, and I have it. I, do any of you guys have that dream where like you know you're in the dream because you've had it so many times? How many of you have had that? Okay, here's mine. I'm somehow walking outside a stadium, a baseball stadium, and I can hear them announcing the starting lineup to a baseball game. I'm not kidding you. And I can hear the music playing, and they say, leading off in center field, number eight, and I know it's me. I played center field here and I let off, right? Number eight, Eddie Milet, And I hear him yelling, ah! but I can't get in the stadium. 
But I'm like, I'm supposed to be playing, right? Like I'm supposed to be, and I cannot get in the door. Like I'm running around the same go, look, I'm the I'm in my uniform. I'm I'm in. I'm in. They're like, we don't know who you are, man. I'm like, no, you need to let me in. I just they just announced me. I'm the starting center fielder, man. They're like, I'm sorry, man. We don't know who you are. You can't play. And then every single time I have the dream, I lap around the stadium trying to get back in to the game. Except I can't get in. This is a true story. I'm 47 years old. I had this dream last month. I had it the month before that. I had it the month before that. Okay? And then I wake up. And it's a nightmare. Every time I'm in the dream, I know I'm having it, but I can't get out of it. And the reason I have that dream is because I miss playing so much. And the real reason I have the dream is because when I was here, listen to me, okay? When I was here, I did not give it everything I had. I did not. I did not max out when I was here. I worked hard. It looked like I was working hard. All my teammates thought I worked pretty hard. I kind of, my parents were pretty convinced I was given it ever have. But I knew in my gut there was another level I could have been at that I never went to. And I don't know why I didn't. I don't know if it's because I thought, hey, if I leave a little bit in reserve, then I won't be so disappointed if I don't get drafted. I don't know what it was. But when I was here, I did not max out my time here. I was a little bit too cool. I was too into other things when I was here. I was a pretty good player. I wasn't a great player, but I was a good enough player that I should have played at the next level. And here's the other thing. My teammates and I were better than our record. Okay, I'm 47 years old. I regret it every single month of my life. Listen to what I'm telling you. You will not get these four years back. If you have four years here or you have one year left, that's all you're going to get playing here. I'm telling you. And if you do not want to be like me, because I look like I got a great life, I will carry with me till I'm dead knowing that when I was here at this school, okay, I gave it about 99% of what I had. No one got in my face and said there's another level. No one pushed me. My coaches didn't push me like they should have. I didn't push myself like I should have. My teammates, we just accepted the way we were. We accepted winning some. We accepted losing some. We just sort of accepted the way it was all the time. You only get four years here. Some of you are going to get two. Some of you are JC guys that are in here, and you're just in here to kind of get drafted. Let me tell you something. What it took to get you here Okay, what it took you to get you to this level, you freshmen, you JC guys, what it took to get you here is not what will be required of you to get to the next level. Whether the next level is professional ball or just being the best possible player you could be, what it took you to do well last season will not be what it requires you this season. There's got to be more. No one told me this. No one ever told me when I was here that what I did my sophomore year was not enough for my junior year. No one ever told me any of this stuff. Right? And so now, as an outwardly, supposedly successful person, these years haunt me when I was here. You have one of the greatest gifts of your life playing Division I college baseball here. I just want you to understand that. I, am he I did not come here today to like blow smoke at you. Hey, it's great to be back. One of you guys in here needs to hear what I'm saying. I don't know which one of you it is, but there's someone in here who's not 100% maxing out every single effort. You're not. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to regret it someday. You think you're cool now. You think this is fun and games. and what? Someday you will look back at this. And by the way, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So how you study, how you prepare in school, you may think it doesn't affect how you're playing ball. It affects you. How you do, how you work out in the gym affects how you do your cardio, affects how you hit a cutoff, man, affects how you do in everything in your life. Well, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Does that make sense? Say yes. Listen to me. You got four of these freaking years, man. This is the greatest, this school is the most, if this was a stock, this campus, this school, this program, this would be a buy. 
This place is incredible. This campus, you have, I mean, I'm going to say something. Your, your head coach and I basically know all the, this is the smallest baseball world in the, uh, in the world. Baseball is the smallest universe in the world. You have great coaches. All day, they've been telling me about you guys. I mean, they want to see you do well. They care about you. You have really humble, good coaches. Not only are they great players, but they're good men. They care about you. You're, you're in a great program with great coaches on a great campus, and not everybody's even expecting all that much from you, which is pretty cool. The problem with that is that you could start to succumb to the lack of expectations from outside people, and I don't want to see that happen. So I just want you to think about, like, hey, man, Am I giving this everything I've got? I don't say that to rah-rah you, but too many of you are like 80-20 at everything you're doing. You can't be 80-20 and be successful at anything. I'm not outwardly successful as a businessman. You don't go build a $400 million net worth because I was 80-20 in business. What happened was I left here a failure, okay? Failure meaning I graduated, I played four years of baseball, but if success is measured based upon what you're capable of, I failed. Right? And then I got into business, I'm like, what I'm not going to do is spend the next 50 years of my freaking life acting like I did at UOP. No one even knows I played here. My picture's not up anywhere here. And I came in here a highly sought-after recruit, by the way. Like, I was a big deal when I signed with UOP. No one knows I played here. I'm known for all my business stuff, nothing I did here because I blew it when I was here. I did not grind, I did not get better, I did not work hard enough. And so when I got into business, the reason I've had massive success in business and in my life is because I knew exactly what I did not want, which is what I did here. I was an 80-20 dude, I was always 20% kind of eh, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's all right, I'll have a good workout tomorrow. So how you do one thing is how you do everything. Does that make sense? Say yes. Okay, you may not get ever talked to like this again, man. You're like my sons. I see me in you, okay? I want you to develop the habits here now that will serve you when you leave here, whether that's playing baseball or going into business or whatever you're gonna do. How you do everything is what you're gonna do here. How you prepare, how you work. Does that make sense? So, let me give you a couple examples of that, by the way. I'm talking about everything you do. So, I work with athletes. So I work with athletes on their mental game. NFL guys, you have, I just, I had a, my, my podcast today got released. If you don't listen to my podcast, you should. Every week I have someone pretty cool on there that'll inspire you, right? And a lot of them are friends of mine or athletes I've worked with. This week, the guy that I just released my podcast with is Andre Ward. How many of you know who Andre is? Okay, if you don't, he's a light heavyweight champion in the world, Olympic gold medalist, retired undefeated. Only he and Floyd Mayweather, the last 20 years in boxing, have really retired as undefeated champions. This guy's a stud, and he's from Oakland. He came down and filmed at my house a few weeks ago. And he said, <coughs> which is interesting, he said, I always felt like when I watched Floyd or Ali or these really great fighters, everything came naturally to them. He said, boxing never came naturally to me. I was never naturally gifted. What separated me was my work ethic. What separated me was the extra mile on my run, the extra punch in my workout, the extra this, the extra everything. And he said, imagine this, the dude who's arguably the greatest fighter of the last 20 years, him or Floyd, okay, says he's not naturally gifted at boxing. In fact, he was so bad when he was a kid, his dad tried to get him out of the sport because he's like, you're just not gifted at it. You're just not great at it. And he said, I just worked my ass off to get to that next level, to get to that next level. Every single did that's th thing that separated me was my work, which is what I want you guys to think about. I think this program could become instantly if you chose to. Just think about this, okay? Instantly, this program could decide that this is, and by the way, what an unbelievable identity for a program.
Because all great teams, okay, all great teams have an identity. All great people have an identity. In fact, I teach that not only what Coach is talking about, that you not only get out of life what you'll tolerate, what you'll accept, you get out of a workout what you'll accept, you get out of your batting practice what you'll accept, you get out of your schooling here what you'll accept, but you also will never exceed your identity. You'll never get more out of life. If you're a, like, an identity is like the thermostat sitting on a wall over here. It sets the temperature for your life. Okay, I've learned this in business. Listen to me on this. So if that thing's set at 75 degrees and I start doing really well in business and making more and more money, you know what I do if I get up to 80, 85, 90 degrees of money but I'm a 75 degree identity dude? You know what I do? I cool it like ba back down again. I sabotage myself. All of a sudden an appointment cancels, I miss a meeting, you know, somebody can't, you know, uh, customer backs out. It looks all random, but somehow three months later, I'm back at 75 degrees of business and money again. Same's true in happiness, same's true in your body. You guys ever seen a fat dude, you know, lose a bunch of weight and then gain it back? Because they never change their identity. So the identity of a fat dude, they'll eventually get back to that body weight again. Same as an athlete, okay? So you could, if you really believe you're a 75 degree type hitter, you're a 280 hitter, and it's 10 games into the year and you're hitting 340, I promise you it's gonna seem random, but you're gonna go into a slump. I promise you you're gonna cool your life back down, you're gonna get your batting average back to 280 again, because that's your identity. You get out of everything in your life what your identity is. So over and over and over again, you must be working on how great you think you are, what you're worthy of, what you deserve, because you get out. The way you change your identity is this. You change your identity, listen to me on this, remember this when I leave, you change your identity because it's based on what you believe you're worth, what you believe you deserve. So you could change your identity by becoming a better hitter, no question about it, right? Maybe you drop your elbow, you're too wide, you're close, whatever, I don't know, okay? You could change it that way. But the way you really change your identity easier is you believe you're worth it. You believe you deserve it. So for a dude like you, who's got good ability, but maybe you're not the greatest, you trick yourself into raising your identity by telling yourself over and over again and by outworking everybody because you begin to believe you deserve results dudes at other schools who aren't working like you get. The way someone like you changes their career, whether it's in baseball or in life, is you start thinking, I'm gonna outwork everybody so that I begin to deserve stuff other people don't deserve. And so then, when you're hitting 340, you believe you belong there, you're a 90 degree hitter, and it stays there or goes better. So how you do everything is how you do one thing. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So you need an identity as a player, but the team needs one. This is what would be the most proud moment for me for UOP. It's not that you guys win 60 games, which I'd love you to do, okay? or that you guys have six dudes that are 6'6 six, six that throw 104 miles an hour here, that'd be great, but you're not, okay? What I would love this program to be, what I'd be the most proud of, that would be like a max out program that I'll bring dudes to, that I'll bring people that I wanna have raise money for this program and come see this program, is that this, listen to me, this program, this team, today becomes the hardest working team in the country. That the identity of this team is no one outworks this team. No team in the country anywhere. I don't care where they are, Stanford, Creighton, Florida State, Wichita State, I don't give a shit who it is. No one outworks this team. This is the hardest working and you hold each other. The leaders on this team hold each other to that standard. So when we hit the gym, we outwork every team in the country in the gym. When they're cooling it and dicking around in the corner, we hit it hard in here. 
We go a little longer in here. We take every single thing we do, and as a squad, as a team, we are going to outwork everybody in the country. No one will outwork this team. What if that was the identity? What if you built that starting today? Every practice, e listen to me, every stretching exercise, this team maxes out. We take it more serious. We have more fun. We're laughing our asses off, but we are outworking everybody in the conference, everybody in the country. We hit the gym that way. We stretch that way. We're doing a cutoff drill. We outwork everybody at cutoff drills. We're doing BP. We outwork everybody in the country in BP. What would happen to this team? That ain't 80-20. I mean, 100% in. We're throwing a bullpen. We outwork everybody in the bullpen. Catcher and pitcher. We just flat outwork you. You become a team nobody wants to play. They respect you. They see you hustle on and off the field different than them. When you're warming up and they got guys dicking around, shagging balls, this team outworks everybody. Something starts to happen to a team who works like that. Let me tell you what happens to a team who works like that. I mean, they're meticulous. And when there's a dude in here not holding that standard, not one guy finds him. Six guys get him and go, hey, that's not how we warm up. That's not how we train. That's not how we run sprints. That's not how we do our cardio around here, man. There's a standard on this team. We outwork everybody. Right? Now, if you did that, you know what starts to happen to this team? You start to believe you deserve stuff you probably aren't good enough to get. You will literally win games you're not supposed to win. This team outworks everybody in their at-bat. They battle on every pitch when they're in the bat. I want you to think about that for a minute. I mean, what if you didn't give away a single freaking pitch all year batting? Not one dude. You grind every pitch. You battle every pitch. What if someone would have told me this when I was here? Battle every pitch, man. Every pitch is a fight. Every pitch is a battle. It's, you, it's a team, but it's you and the dude with the wrong lid on on the mound. Battle his ass, right? Then what happens to this team? You start playing guys that are these all-American studs who don't work like you and like, you don't want to fuck with Pacific. These dudes are freaks. I'm telling you, it's intimidating. You're not going to intimidate them when everyone's throwing mid-90s. You're not going to intimidate them with every dude 6'3 and just mashes in BP, although there'll be a few. You're going to intimidate them because you guys build a brand and an identity like these dudes are psycho. That's what you do. Every pitcher battles on every count, no matter what the score is, every game. Every pitch is a battle. Everything the catcher does is called meticulously. Everybody comes back after an at-bat and gives good feedback to each other. Everybody trains together. You want to have fun today, this year, your career here? Be a part of the hardest working program in the country. I mean, just flat out, they bust everybody, man. It's so fun to work hard. It's so fun to win. It's so fun to have that identity. And I'm telling you, it will serve you when you leave here. So you guys that are going to go play at the next level, I just promised you something, okay? I work with the top athletes in the world, boxers, UFC guys, NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA. Pretty much I cover every sport, okay? Some of the best players in the world. Zach Johnson played number four in college on the golf team his junior year. His senior year, he made it to number three. You know how many college golf tournaments? College golf tournaments he won. You know how many? None. Think about all the college golfers right now. I said, there's some dude, Xavier or Drake, who's playing number three. He's not won a tournament ever.
He's going to go win a couple majors on the PGA Tour. He's going to play in five Ryder Cups. He's going to make $50 million playing golf, another $50 million off the golf course. When he doesn't play, he's named a Ryder Cup captain. Think about that. Hard worker. Andre Ward, hard worker. Dominic Cruz is a UFC fighter. If he walked in here, he's 5'7", a buck 30. He keeps breaking his left arm in every damn fight. He just outworks everybody. Tom Brady, really good football player, okay? Let me just tell you something. He outworks everybody. Rodney Harrison's a pretty good friend of mine. You, guys, you probably don't even know who that is, but he's on NBC. Rodney Harrison tells me, my let, Eddie, I was the hardest working dude in New England when I got there. I'd get in the strength room at 7 a.m. Film session was at 10.30. I'd get in there at 7 a.m. There was this one skinny dude in there. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, he's the backup new dude from Michigan. It was Brady in the weight room before him. So Harrison goes, I'm the hardest working dude in the room. I am. So the next day I got there at 6.30. Guess who was in there when I got there? Brady. Brady started to figure out Harrison was trying to get there earlier. The next day, Harrison gets there at 5.30 in the morning. Film session's at 10.30 in the morning. Brady's there. Best story, Friday, Harrison gets there at 5 a.m. This is a true story. Brady's walking out of the gym as Harrison walks in at 5 a.m. Good to see you, Rod. Have a good workout. And he throws a towel over his shoulder. And he goes, I didn't know who this dude was. He was goofy looking. He had no arm strength. And I told my wife, this dude's a freak. And he said, not only to become the greatest football player of all time, not just quarterback, football player, maybe the greatest athlete of all time, with no physical tools whatsoever. But even if he never became that, within two weeks, there were 30 dudes in the weight room by 6 a.m. 30 dudes, and they won the Super Bowl that year. They beat the Rams. He completely changed the culture and the standard and the identity of that team. They weren't the most talented team. They weren't the most gifted team. Their coach isn't a rah-rah guy. Their whole standard changed because they were the hardest working team in the NFL. They've been the hardest working team in football. In fact, they're so hard working, dumbasses like the guys in the Eagles who got lucky and beat them in the Super Bowl last year, went around and said, well, no one wants to play for New England. They work too hard. They don't have enough fun. You ever seen that stuff? Right? Let's see how the Eagles do now. Let's see if they can win. Let's see if they can go to eight Super Bowls in 16 years like Brady did. He probably should have won seven Super Bowls already. Right? So it's one thing to win once. It's one thing to have a good at bat. It's one thing to have a good game. It's a whole other thing to be just a stud in your life. Right? And that becomes with this. So y'all should consider what's our identity as a team. You're not the most talented. You're not the biggest. You're not the fastest. And none of that matters because most of you aren't going to play in the big leagues anyways. And when you leave here, what will matter is what you think you're worth. What will matter is your identity. What will matter is the man you're becoming here. You should have a blast here. Okay? I didn't even have enough fun when I was here. I didn't even do enough of that. Okay? You should have a blast. You should experience it. You should love it. You should be making your family proud of you. But what you're doing right now is forming an identity. And what I would worry about is that because you're not the most talented team in the country, even though you're incredibly talented, you don't get to this level, just so you know, man. You know the other thing I wish somebody would have told me? My freshman year, I hit, I think, 214. And I played like 52 games. It's pretty embarrassing. Now, the next year, I hit like 360, which is a pretty good upgrade, right? 
but I wish somebody would have told me because I wondered my freshman year. You freshmen, listen to me. Somebody, a coach or somebody should have come in as a guest speaker and said, hey, dude, you belong here. You belong on this level. You wouldn't be here otherwise. I know you think you fluked it, right? I know you think maybe you don't. You belong on this level. I just started to act like it. And then if someone would have grabbed me and said, hey, but you're 5'9", okay? You weigh 152 pounds, okay? You get your ass in that gym and crush it. You beat them before you get on the field. You outlift them. You out-diet them. You bust your ass when you're doing cardio. You do everything harder than them because you're not 6'2". And guess what, man? My whole career would have been different. Thankfully, I did such a poor job of that when I got into business, I decided to make that shift. And I stand here in business. If you came back to UOP and said, hey, um, or my high school, uh, you, did you know Eddie Milet in high school? You know what they would have told you? He is the most introverted, shy dude on the planet, and there's no way in the world he'll ever do anything outside of baseball if he doesn't make it there because he's too shy. I was the, they called me Eddie, my last name's Milet, they called me Eddie myself when I played baseball here because I was so shy, so introverted, so quiet. Does that shock you that then like now what I do is speak for a living? And I'm the biggest introvert and the most shy dude in this room. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story why you need to max out your time here. My senior year, I had to graduate here, and I, had, I needed to get two electives done that needed the credits. And uh, they signed me up for sign language. Do they offer sign language here anymore? Do they? Anybody know? No one knows? It means probably not. Probably not. Huh? They don't. Well, they did when I was here. So I'm a senior, I gotta take sign language. My first semester or whatever. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. I study, I learn all the signs, and then I had to get up. There's, there's 18 people in the class. I just gotta get up and you gotta do your little sign. You don't even have to talk. It's sign language, no one can hear you, right? So all you gotta do is get up and do your little whatever thing. I practiced the whole thing. I was scared to death, I was about to say a bad word. Scared to death for like a week. And then I'm like, all right, let's get up. It's, it's like literally three minutes. And what it is, you had to sign language a song, right? And so, and it was with a group, like three of us. And I was so afraid, listen to me, I was so afraid of trying something new and so afraid of what everybody thought about me that walking to the class for the presentation my senior year, I dropped out of the class. I quit the class. I could not get myself to get up in front of the room of people, not even to speak, to do sign language with two other people standing there with me. That's how introverted and shy I am. Knowing it would threaten me from graduating from college, I could not bring myself to do it. Number one thing, no one told me, hey dude, try some stuff when you're here you're afraid of. Try some stuff you don't think you'll like. Have some damn experiences. Get outside your comfort zone. Do something new. And someone should have grabbed me and said, hey, dude, this whole addiction to being shy and this thing, it's going to kill you. So the counselor calls me. Now we're in baseball season and says, you're not graduating. You have to take two electives next semester. And they're full, so there's only two classes you can get into. So my senior year, my last semester of college, listen to what I'm telling you. It was kind of apparent I was not going to go play to the next level. Although when I was a junior, they thought I was. If I was getting drafted, I didn't get drafted. So my senior year... Last semester, I have to take drama, 
Do they have drama here still? They have acting class? I had to take drama and public speaking. I'm forced to take these two classes or I don't graduate from college. My scholarship's up and I'm not gonna go play professional baseball, I'm pretty sure. So I gotta go do two classes that weren't just sign language, I gotta get up and friggin' talk, okay? And it changed my whole life. In the drama class, we had to do a play and I was like a background dude, which is where I wanted to be. And about a week before the play, we had to put it on for the whole drama department. The dude who was doing it got kicked out of school. And so I had to become the lead in the play my senior year in front of the whole drama department. Is there like a face Spanos Hall here still or something like that? And the face Spanos Hall. And I had to walk up on that stage and perform lines out loud in front of a full crowd of people, right? And I did good. And my speech class, I did really good. And in fact, the speech teacher pulled me aside and said, um, I think you're like gifted at this. There was this massive gift of mine that was buried under all this stuff I was afraid of. There was this massive gift, there was this crap I was completely afraid of, and I, by forced by family rebuke, ridicule, and spending four years here of my parents' money, because even though if you have a scholarship, you all know, don't cover everything, right? My parents reminded me of that the whole time I was here, okay? I had to take public speaking, I had to take drama. And the last semester, the last two classes I took here completely changed the direction of my life because I found a gift that I had while I was here. And I turned that into something that I've been doing now for 26 years since I left there. So you should be doing things here that challenge you. You should be doing things here that you're afraid of. You should be trying experiences here. And I'm not talking about things you put in your body, okay? I'm talking about doing and trying things while you're here that are what make college what college should be for you. Somewhere on the other side of stuff you're really afraid of is your real gift. Somewhere on the stuff of all this other hard work is your big breakthrough. And so what I wanna challenge this team to do is I'd like someone in this room when I leave or over the next few days to say, I kinda like what he said about the hard work thing. I think we ought to make it our motto. I think we ought to outwork everybody. I think this program for the next 30 years ought to build a reputation. You like to work hard, you come to Pacific. You want to bust your ass, you want to outwork everybody, you want to play on a winning team that's going to get the most out of you with a brotherhood of some other dudes in here who love to work hard, that when you walk in here, you look at each other, and we all just kind of know, man, no one outworks us. No one outworks us. We don't give away pitches, we don't give away at-bats, we don't give away cutoff drills, we don't give away in the gym. Nobody outworks us. And you start to build that, when you come back in 20 years, you'll be real proud of what you started here. You will have started something that they cannot stop. You will have started something very special. I don't know if this will become the winningest program in college baseball, but I know that you can control that it's the hardest working. I know that we could crank out the most successful young men out of this program of any program in the country. More successful businessmen, more successful fathers, more successful leaders come out of this program. And guess what else? You'll win way more games. And two or three years from now, when they go to recruit people, they're gonna be able to walk into a living room or see a family and go, I can promise you this, you want your son to come work hard? You want him to change his identity? You want him to build some real character? Well, we started with the program right here. We became the hardest working team in the country. And by the way, everybody knows it. You go talk to anybody who plays our boys, they'll tell you right now, they don't get outworked. We don't give away at bats, we grind, we're dirty. This is a dirty bunch of boys. We work hard, we hit the gym. If you don't wanna work hard, you're coming the wrong place. 
That's what needs to happen in this room. That will transform this program. You have the great facilities, you got an unbelievable ballpark, you got great coaches. Great coaches, trust me. I'm around a lot of good programs. I know great coaches when I see them, and let me tell you what they all have in common, You're the great coaches. The way they speak of their boys, of the young men, when they're not in your presence. And the things they wanna see happen to you. These two dudes I spent the day with, they love you guys. They're excited about you. You knew guys, they're excited about you, okay? They want you to do well. They want you to do well past baseball, but they want you to do well in baseball. They're also both great players, okay? Look at this facility. When I was here, we met at Billy Hebert Field's locker room with a dirt floor. There was not a carpet on the floor. We would change outdoors when I played baseball here. Literally, outdoors, we changed outside. Someone should have grabbed me and said, hey man, when BP's over, stay. You need the extra work. Build that muscle. Max out practice. Max out the gym session. Max out the ground ball drill. Max out little stuff like you outfielders. What if every outfielder on this team just got better freaking jumps? Just that. Just everybody read down angle better and took an extra base. Everybody stretched it out. Everybody got a better jump. And there's a ball in the gap you get that no one in the country gets. What happens to this team? People start to watch you and want to play with you and like you. That's what needs to happen in this team. I would be so proud if you guys would make that decision and then work like it and hold each other to that standard. If you do that, I feel like my time here was worth it. And I'm here to help any of you, okay? So because we're now family, I'm here to help you. So if you're on social media, and so if you direct message me, you just let us know that you play baseball for UOP, I'll start following you, number one. And number two, I'll make sure that we can interact together. You need anything from me, except for money. You can't ask me for money, okay? But if you need help, I'm serious, I'm here to help you. You working on something you need to visualize, you need some advice on how to change your identity, you need one of my, you, hey, what's the best show you've done, best podcast you've done on anxiety? What's the best one you've done on fitness? What's the best one you've done on mindset? What's the best one you've done on inspiration? What's the best one you've done on public speaking? Because I got one of these classes and I hate it. Whatever it is, I'm here to help you. How many are there are you in here, coach, roughly? 42. Right? 42. So I just opened up my life to 42 sons, okay? I'm here to help you. Not that you all need another dad, but... I'm here if you do need somebody, okay? And how many of you would be down to be the hardest working team in the country? I mean, for real, man. Yeah, for real. You need to decide that as a group. Let me tell you something. You're gonna be freaking shocked how good that feels. It feels good not only to work hard, but talk about how hard you're working. Encourage each other for how hard you're working, right? Measure each other. What if the measurement of what a great teammate on this squad is, listen to me, isn't how many jacks you hit or whether you're hitting 340? I'm gonna tell you a secret. You asked me if I remember my baseball career. I played with a guy who, who played with a couple guys who were really good players here. My teammate that I remember the most from being here is a guy named Trini Ruiz. Ruiz. He went to St. Mary's High School here in Stockton. He was a walk-on, five foot five, backup second baseman. If I had 10% of his work ethic when I was here, I'd probably have played 10 years in the big leagues. Okay, that dude was a great teammate. Never talked a lot, real quiet guy, real quiet guy. All I know is every time I got there, he was there before me. When I'd leave, he was still there. When we were running base drills, he just, he wasn't fast. He just ran full freaking speed. If we had a team of 42 of him, we would have been a dominant team. Because teams figure out when they're playing guys that are crazy. They figure it out. They know when they're playing freaks. 
teams figure that out. You're in a three-game three, three game session, a fri uh, um, um, series, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. By Saturday, they start figuring out. We might have beat them Friday, but these dudes are freaks. I mean, they just grind. They just freaking grind. They take every base. Look how they warm up. Look how they stretch. Look how they encourage each other, right? And that reputation starts. Let me tell you where it starts. You can tell it starts with me there. It starts in the gym. Y'all need to hit the gym hard. You need to take that part of your career seriously. That part will carry on past here. I'm going to tell you, the whole transition for you starts in that gym, starts stretching, it starts warming up. Everything about you, listen to what I said, how you do one thing is how you do everything. How you hit that gym is how you're going to be as a man. It's how you'll be as a father. It's how you'll be as a leader. We need to transform this team. So someone in this room, when I'm gone, either now or, when I, or in the next few days, needs to gather this group back up and go, that dude's right. Let's have a maxed out team, every single thing we do. You'll be so proud. You'll come back here in 20 years, regardless of the record, and you'll look at each other like brothers. Because like it or not, these are your brothers. Like it or not, this is the screenshot of your baseball career, okay? I remember, I'll tell you this last. You're gonna have a last play of your career. Have you thought about that yet? You're going to have a last play. You do know that, right? A-Rod had a last play. Do you know that, by the way? You're going to have a last play. I could tell you what mine was. Let me tell you what my last play was. I was in center field. We were playing a Cal. I was a senior, okay? And it was a 2-2 count. This kid named Evans was a shortstop for Cal. I remember exactly what it was. Let me tell you what happened to me. He had a pop-up to shortstop. It seemed like it was in the air for like 100 years. But it seemed that way because maybe your coaches will tell you this is true if they know when theirs was. But every single thing went into slow motion for me in this last play. I remember the pop-up, and I remember as it happened, I was lucky because I wasn't going to go to the next level. I remember going, this is the last play of my career. This is the last play of my career. And I remember kind of jogging in because I was supposed to back him up kind of, you know. It was kind of like a little bit behind him. And everything slowed down. And he caught it, and that was the end of the game, we won. Kind of rolled the ball, remember he rolled it back to the mound. And now I'm running in like a million times I had from center field into the dugout after a game, except everything completely slowed down. I'm gonna tell you what happened when it happened. So I was running, I started thinking about my dad, who'd been to so many games of mine, and was so proud of me. I thought about my little league coach. I thought about Randy Capano. I thought about, all the BP I took, all the fly balls, all the drills, all the dreams I had when I was a little boy of playing in the big leagues. I thought about when I signed my letter of intent here. I'm telling you, all these things rushed my mind as I'm running off the field. It was like in complete slow motion. I almost never actually thought it would end. Now, had I played 20 years in the big leagues, like a couple of my buddies, they have an end too. Right? They have an end too. And as I ran in, I remember we we're gathering our stuff up and I was, my heart's racing now. I'm telling you, like, I'm never going to do this again. I never get the privilege of putting on a uniform and playing with my buddies. I never get to be in the locker room again. I'll never be introduced again as a baseball player. It's a privilege to be introduced as a baseball player. This is my son. He plays baseball. This is my brother, he plays baseball. You're a baseball player. You may not be the best in the world, but you're a baseball player, man.
that ends. And let me tell you something, we got on that bus from Cal and we're driving back, I'm telling you straight up, I remember going, all the work I put into this, all the hopes my family and I had, all the travel ball, all the, everything we did, all the games, all the great plays, all the errors I made, the fly ball I dropped at Fullerton, you know, all that stuff I was going to get drafted, then I did, all that stuff, right? The guys I played with, over, like a flicker, man. Like a flicker, that crap was over. And we're on that bus ride back, and I remember thinking, man, I should have tried harder. I should have played harder. I should have given this more. I wonder if I got a red shirt. I still have a red shirt year dream, guys. Like I wake up, I find out I could play another year. And then I have that dream of me outside the damn stadium trying to get in just to play one more game again. I'm not rah-rahing you. I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to get you all emotional. I'm telling you the friggin' truth, okay? I have these thoughts. I have these nightmares to this day. What I told you in the beginning is true right now. You need to max out, no pun intended, no goofy nothing. You need to max out every second of this. Enjoy it. Enjoy your time here. Max it out. Literally finish knowing if you fail, you gave it every ounce of your spirit and being. And ironically, if you give this every ounce of your spirit and your being and your soul and your heart and your sweat, when you cannot run, you know that stuff guys do, man. You're running sprints. There's two dudes who run every sprint full speed. And then there's the dudes who run 80%, six of them. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? He's kind of cool. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm not the fastest guy, so no one will know when I don't win the sprints. You know those guys. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? This is a guy kind of doesn't really catch the ball on his throwing side in the outfield. When he's worn, he catches it over. He does everything wrong, throws it back. That's the thing that costs a guy getting thrown out at third and you lose by a run because you just practice like that. Guy in the bullpen is kind of like not really focused. He's just kind of getting loose, right, instead of just laser focused on everything he's doing all the time. Right? You don't want to leave here. You don't want it to end, whether it ends in the big leagues, it ends in the minor leagues, it ends here, or you never even get on the field this year. Okay, having wondered whether you gave it all you got, because it's going to transfer into the man you become when you leave here, and most importantly, it's going to be your identity. It'll be your identity. I'm standing here a successful dude because I've outworked everybody in business. My team will tell you. This morning, okay, I went to bed last night at midnight. Okay, I started texting these guys at 4 a.m. today, 4 a.m. I'm leaving here right now when I'm done. I'm going to go change, and I'm having a business dinner with two dudes who flew in from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm making them meet me here, okay, at 7.30. That dinner will end around 11.30. I'll get back, clean up, go to bed, probably around 12.30, and I will get up at 4.30, and I will go to the gym tomorrow morning. And after I do that gym workout, I'll have a team meeting with these two guys right here, and then I will get up, and we're driving to San Jose, and I speak at 1 o'clock in San Jose tomorrow for three hours. When we're finished doing that, then I have another meeting that I go speak at. Then when I'm done doing that, then I go to another dinner meeting from 7 to about 11 o'clock. Then when we're done doing that, I go back to the hotel. I'll go to bed. I'll get up at 4 o'clock. I'll go to the gym. Then we're going to drive back to Stockton. I'm jumping on my jet, and I'm flying to Texas. And when I land in Texas, there'll be 50 people to meet me there for an autograph show and a book signing, and then I'm gonna go speak in Texas, then I'm gonna drive from there, speak to another place in Texas, then I'm getting on my airplane at about 10 o'clock, and I'm flying all the way back to Laguna Beach, California. I'm gonna land, I'll be up at 4.30, I'll go to the gym, I'll go to my daughter's volleyball game, and then I'm speaking in Beverly Hills at one o'clock on Saturday. Kinda maxing it out, huh? 
right? And the reason that, the, and by the way, I don't have to work anymore. There's an ocean in my backyard. My other one is a lake. My other one is a desert. I could go do whatever I want, wherever I want, with whoever I want. I chose to be here with you today. I chose to be here with you. I choose to go to this next dinner meeting tonight. I have choice in my life. The reason I have freedom of choice is because I work like that. I have great habits and rituals and routines. Because when you get tired, listen to me, it's in my book. When you get tired, when you get fatigued, when you get down, when you're in a slump, it's your habits, rituals, routines, and your standards that carry you through. And if you don't have good habits, you don't have good rituals, you don't have good routines, always in your life you will fall down in bad times, in slumps and fatigue and in stress. So I don't want that to happen to you guys. You with me? Say yes. yes. All right. You didn't think I was going to get this serious, did you? This is the hardest working team in the country. Yes or no? Yes. yes. This should be the hardest working team in the country. When's the next gym session? Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., right? So we'll know. We'll know. We'll know. And you know what? Five or six of you call out one MFer in here who slips on that standard. Not one guy, all of you. You leaders in the room. By the way, you freshmen, you bust your butt, you're a leader. You need to wait three years to be a leader. Lead with your example. Right? Not your at-bats, not your doubles, not your how hard you throw. God gave you all that, man. How hard do you work? What's your standard? That's what I want to see this team. I'm going to come back and watch you all play this year a couple times, too. I want to see how hard. I want to see. I want to visually be able to see when you take a field, when you run out a ground ball, right, when you're warming up, I want to visually be able to see a dominant team. This team can dominate with its effort, with its unity, with its work ethic. It can dominate teams more talented than them. I'm telling you. You're still going to go get swept once this year. You're still going to lose some games. I don't care if you start out 0-22, which you won't. I don't care. This needs to be the hardest working team in the country because you're building something for the future. You're building a standard. You're building a culture. You're building a program that can last way past you here. So when you come back, you go, this, you know, we started with me, man. 2018, 2019 started with us, man. We we're just a bunch of freaks, just a bunch of road dogs, just some dirty dudes who outworked everybody. Just some bad dudes. You didn't want to play us. Man, we worked you. We worked counts. My God, did we work people. We had a ball we nose foul. We just run full freaking speed down the line just to intimidate fools. Right? Right? We take our position, we take it like a freaking steamroller, man. We just dominate people. We're down 7 nothing, and we run harder. We're down 8-1, we work them harder in our at-bats. We're crazy, man. We are crazy. That's what this team needs to be. Okay, I took too much time, so I'm fired. I wanna go play, I wish I could hit. I wish I wasn't fat and could run, so. Anyway, coach, thank you for having me. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Let you come up. This is the Ed Milet Show. Compete, lead, and kick ass.